Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black, my co-host, Stephen Gillespie. And tonight, man, we're, we're, we're kicking off the month of April by the time you hear this podcast with an absolute bang. I, I expect this to be a huge month for Draft Deeper. What better way to start it off than with somebody who has not been on the podcast yet, but it was only a matter of time before we linked up for some content the owner of Sports Talk 2319, author of the book that he will have coming out very soon, Rashad Phillips. Rashad, how you doing, boss? Uh, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. Um, it's, it's always a pleasure to connect with you guys on, on social media, and I'm you know happy to be on your guys' platform. Thanks for having me. No, the, pl- the pleasure is all mine. And I mentioned the book. You're titling it The Evolution is Being Televised, a.k.a. your basketball position metric i want you to first make sure that we get your book plugged i want you to tell us as well as my audience about what that book is what's going to be in the book why you wanted to write the book just 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 give us the whole scoop because i want to make sure that my audience gets the right sales pitch and i want to make sure they go pre-order the book yeah um yeah you can go you can go to my website sportstalk2319.com and you can pre-order the book um again like you said it's, it's called the evolution is being televised and it, it's something over the the course of my career um and, and just kind of watching the landscape of, of of basketball um but sports in general um and we've been able to watch the evolution of of sports from football uh, to baseball uh and obviously basketball um and you know, I, I was the type of player that I felt like um, there was there was things that that I did back then that wasn't accepted that yep. is celebrated today. And the word that separates those two is evolution. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I, I kind of you know studied the landscape of, of of basketball, and you look at the guys and the players that we have today, and you've seen this growth, you've seen this update. And, and these players have outgrown the terminology of the five positions that we were given like in 1946. You know, I, I, look, at, I look at 1946 the same way I look at a 1946 car. No, no one's driving a 1946 car in 2022. So how come are we still labeling players in 2022, like they're from 1946. Um, so that's kind of been the basis um, of of my book, um, and it's it's a it's a fantastic read. Uh, without giving too much away, I, I really break down the the anatomy of the game. I was born in 1978, so I, I felt like I feel like I was born at the perfect time um, because in 1978. A year after I was born, the NBA was rebranding itself, and the three-point line was adopted mm-hmm. um, in the NBA, which was uh, taken from the ABA. So, from 1979 to 2022, I've grown with that evolution. Like I'm at the perfect age. Like I grew right with it. Like the three-point line is like 40 three years old, I'll be 44 in May. So I've grown with the evolution of the game. So I've been able to see players 
um, outside of myself. And it's, it's helped me to, to create a positions metric um, to help all of us to, to fit what we're watching today. So that's why the name of the book is called The Evolution is Being Televised because we watch it every single day. Well, you know, Stephen and I, I mean, we, we are going to consume as much of that book as possible. I want to have yeah. a physical copy in front Already of Already so pre-ordered. I, no, no, <laughs> I can't wait to get it. it. I want to notate it, highlight it, do everything I got to do to make sure I'm soaking in all the information because we, yes. we want to keep growing. That's that's a big reason why we wanted to have you on the shop. We want, we want to not only talk and converse, but also be educated further in the game as well. I think that's that should be a goal yes. for everybody. And speaking of doing that, conversing and talking about prospects, you are coming on as part of a series that I'm so excited to be going through from now all the way through up until the draft. I've already started it with some of my no ceilings cohorts. And yeah. I've also started asking some guests as well for some of quote unquote, their guys, right? And I'll, I'll make sure I phrase this right every single time I use it on the podcast. It's not like we're using the phrase their guys or our guys. Is that like we're yeah. cheerleaders for these players, right? We're, yeah. we're talking about it in the sense of guys who are undervalued and underrated in the draft landscape right now. Let's talk about some new names and bring some new names to the forefront, not just the same top three names that we've probably been talking about all year long, right? Let's get some, <laughs> let's get some other guys some shine. So that's why I, I, I'm very excited for the first name we're going to talk about. The second name, I do have some questions, but you're, you're the mm. perfect person to answer some of those questions. So sure. we, we, will, we will kick it off first with a prospect who, if you've listened to Draft Deeper before, you've heard me certainly sing my praises about him. I know Steven has some good thoughts yep. about him as well. Yep. And Rashad, you've been making sure you've highlighted him on social media as well. Sure. Londa's Williams out of Wake Forest. Um, not, not your most traditional prospect, just in the sense that, as you alluded to before we started the podcast, and I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about some of it as well, he has not had a traditional path to where he is right now. And sometimes those are the best prospects to not only evaluate, but also get to hopefully interview or talk to or listen to their thoughts on their story. Because not, not everybody's path is, is clean cut, right? Everybody else has their own path they have to walk, they have their own work they have to do. But Alondez has done the work because he was ACC player of the year this year. He should be much more of a household name than he was from the start of the year. 18 and a half points per game. 6.4 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 51% from the field, 28% from three, 69 from the line. But the 50.7% from the field is obviously what we will want to focus on. There's questions about some of his shooting, his catch and shoot shot. I, I think the shooting is going to be fine, but it's really what he does when he gets downhill. He is explosive. He wants yep. to not only get to the basket, he wants to dunk over you. He is mean on the court. And I absolutely love that when I see that in guards, he rates, very well on a bunch of different synergy percentiles obviously speaks to me as a guard who Rashad I'll be curious to get some of your thoughts on this but I've been saying when you look at somebody who was underrated last year like an Io DeSumo for example coming out of Illinois right yeah. not everybody was convinced that he would be more of your traditional quote-unquote point guard which I'll be I'll be very happy to get some of your thoughts behind what position you would actually classify Alondez as. I think, I think Steven has a question lined up about that as well. Sure. But yep. Somebody who I think can really make an impact just like Io because he's explosive. He wants to get downhill. He wants to attack you and his numbers shooting off the bounce actually aren't as bad as people would think. And that was a question mark for Io too. Whereas now when you have somebody who has high character, who wants to put in the work, 
that's arguably become a strength for Io with Chicago Bulls in his rookie year, which is actually crazy that a deficiency has already become a strength for his. And I see so many similarities in their games in terms of the type of impact I think Alondas can make in the NBA, which is why I would peg him in that early second round range to late first range. A lot of people disagree with us. A lot of people have like the back end of the second round, but Rashad, you're, you're the goat. You're the legend on this platform. Please, please tell us why Alondas is underrated, why he needs to be valued higher. Yeah, I love all the things that you said about him, Nate. Um, you know, is a kid that, you know, came that really couldn't get on the floor at Oklahoma, right? You know, so he, he, he leaves Oklahoma, goes to Wake Forest, wins player of the year. And that just a testament to the type of toughness and the type of resiliency he has. So that right there is a trait in itself. Because, I mean, that's very difficult to do, to leave – um, you know, a, a big time school to go to another big time school and become the best player in that conference. You know, that's that's really unheard of. And, and, and you know, watching him play, you know, I would classify him as a combo guard. And you look at his statistics across the board, you know, 18, six and five. That's kind of the ultimate, you know, combo guard because he can play off the ball a little bit. Um, he's a, a, a tremendous initiator. Um, he's big, he's violent, and that's what you need at the NBA level. I, I do like his size. You know, I just think that um, the physicality is, is, is going to win, win over a lot of times. And when you look at Ayo, you know, it's funny. I was doing this segment with Cassius Winston a couple of years ago at Michigan State, and, and me and Cassius were talking about players in the Big Ten. And I was like, what about the kid Ayo from Illinois? Like, I asked Cassius this. Cassius was like, Man, what separates Ayo is that he's so big. Like he, mm -hmm. he's six four, he's strong. He can take the bump, and that has that has been um, one of the reasons that he's been able to fare well at the NBA level because he's he's bigger than what what he looks like. And um, I, I I have that those same type of um, praises for Alondas. His size is going to help him a lot, especially on the offensive end, is getting his own shot, finishing in traffic over those rim protectors. And uh, I have him mocked as a first round pick. Uh, there's no way that you you draft the Londis at the back of the second round. Like there's, I agree. These NBA teams are doing <laughs> their jobs. Like there's no way he doesn't go past 35. And I'm I'm being nice. He doesn't go past 35. Like this kid should be a 26, 25, 24 pick. He won't go past 35. I, re I really hope he doesn't. I really hope he doesn't. Steven, you got some questions for Rashad? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he already answered the one. I was kind of considering, you know, Alondes potentially as a hybrid guard going off of your position metric. But I think that the line that you paint of him being a combo guard, maybe that maybe Rashad, you could speak to this. Maybe that's sure. what you kind of project him making the leap from from college to the pros. And that's a question that I asked you on social media the other day is, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about initiators, right? And we talk about whether or not a player can be an initiator going from college to the pro ranks. But we know that the NBA is about, you know, advantage creation. Right. And there's a lot of people that do it different ways from different spots on the floor. Yeah. Do you think that one Alondes projects to be a combo guard coming from college to the pros? Maybe that's like an adjustment and role that he has. And then if you could also speak on that advantage creation that I just brought up. 
Yeah, and you know, there is a thin line between combo guard and hybrid guard. And I really break this down in my book. So I don't want to give it all away, but- <laughs> I can't wait to read that, man. Yeah. I got it pre-ordered. Because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of questions about that. And I love those questions, you know, and that's the beauty of the position metric. That's why it's a metric is you're, you're this close from being here. You're this close from being there. So, yep. so the word metric just kind of really plays out because that pendulum can swing towards hybrid a little bit for Londis. Um, but I look at like Jaden Ivy to me, I think he's more hybrid than combo. Okay. Because he's a little bit more lethal. Um, when you look at the hybrid guard and the combo guard, think of, think of snakes. Right. One is more deadlier than the other, even though they both have venom, right? So you got a hybrid guard is more like a, a king cobra. Mm -hmm. then a combo guard is like more like a rattlesnake they both have venom they both inject you and can really are poisonous but one is just more lethal than the other so Jaden ivy to me is a hybrid guard alondis williams is a combo guard but you see it's not really far off yeah you don't want to mess with either one of them right like that's (laughs) you don't want you don't want to challenge alondis williams on the court right and i think that that you bring that up in a I like I like the breakdown there. And one more question I had for you, um, real quick, Rashad, is we're gonna hear whenever we break him down, and I think a lot of what the pundits are gonna bring up, um, and maybe why he should be considered a later draft pick is the turnover percentage, right? Like yeah. they're they're gonna look at the assists, they're gonna look at the finishing. They might yeah. knock him for the shooting, but we know that yeah. sometimes shooters just go through bad stretches, and if the shot's not broken, maybe you can kind of tweak it a little bit, but. The turnovers, right? Like that's what people are going to sure. focus on. Sure. Do you think that Alondis's decision making is fine? Do you think that the turnovers are just kind of a product of his situation in Wake Forest, where he had yeah. Jake Laravia, who looks like he's going to be an yeah. NBA player too? Yeah, he's but, good. But do you think that the Wake Forest situation kind of forced him to do maybe a little bit more than what he yeah. probably should be doing? And do you think that that's something that he can work on at the next level? Here's the thing. He won't have that type of responsibility at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry Facts. about that. It's not like he's going to go to the Orlando Magic and they're going to be like, Alondis, we're putting the ball in your hand every play down. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to go, he's going to turn into more of a second unit guy that comes in and, and creates a spark. And that's what that's what's going to serve him well. A lot of times, I think, I think a lot of evaluators – Um, overthink the college statistics a lot because you have to understand players are going to have different roles once they get to the pros. Like there's only a few guys like, you know, John Morant, you knew he was going to play the same way that he played at Murray state in the NBA. Trey young was going to play the same way he played Zion. Like certain guys are going to carry that same responsibility to the NBA, but there's a lot of other players. Responsibilities will change once they get to the NBA. So his turnovers don't bother me because that won't be his responsibility at that level. Right. And and just for the listeners who may not be familiar with Rashad, I don't know. I don't know how you're not, but in the off chance you are, uh, Rashad was a pretty accomplished college basketball player as well. So he has a little bit of a know-how and a little bit of insight into what he's talking about when he's looking at how a player will translate from the college to the pros. I love the conversation about responsibility with Alondas because that's another reason why I made the point about Io is when, when I yeah. was evaluating Io last year, 
yeah. when he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands every single trip down the floor and they can just let IO be IO. Yes. Look what's happening in Chicago. He's arguably been like a, a top 10 rookie this year and by his draft position, similar to where Alondez could go, might, might have some similar conclusions next year. I, I have a feeling we will. Is he, is he, in your opinion, one of the best passes in the draft? Yeah. I, I, like, watch the film. Like, he, he can make some plays. And, you know, he's 6'5". His vision is stupid, man. It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> he can really make plays, man. So, I, like, the turnovers and all that, that doesn't bother me. I, I do would like for him to be a better free throw shooter. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a stickler of that. I think if you're a great scorer, you got to be an 80% free throw shooter. Like, that's just a pet peeve of mine. Like, you can't – like, nobody's there. You're standing 15 feet away from the basket. There's no defense. You can't shoot 70%, you know. And that may, may – because, you know, when I when I played, I was – I shot 92% from the free throw line. So no I'm, big deal. No yeah, big I'm real – like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just – I'm big on free throw shooting. But I just think great scorers should be able to make 80% of their shots when there's nobody in front of them. Especially with his play style, right? Like he's going to draw contacts. He's going to so draw know a he's lot gonna... of fouls. Exactly. He's got to make 80% of those. Like he, he probably should have led the nation in scoring. But he just not – like you look at guys like Wilt Chamberlain and those guys like those Shaq, like they mm-hmm. pour free th- – those guys left 10,000 points on the table. <laughs> Think about that. Like, they couldn't make free throws. So I look at Alondis as a kid that could have – he averaged 19. He probably could have averaged 25. Yeah. But he wasn't he, – he left a lot of points on the table, and and so that, I'm a stickler of that. I, I agree 100%. Free throw shooting, guys who get to the line, knock them down. That's – when we talk about using the word evolution, as you like to use Rashad, that's an evolution for a score. When they get to the line yes. – that's how they incrementally start adding points per game to their averages. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. So let's move to the other guy that you wanted to talk about Rashad, somebody who I I do have questions and you brought up the name. I was like, see, this is why I wanted to do this exercise with guests because if we don't do something like this, guys like, Kendrick Davis out of SMU. They're not, they're not going to get talked about on podcasts like this. This, this is how you start bringing people into the conversation. And in case anybody hasn't seen Kendrick Davis out of SMU, his film is really fun to watch. Dude is a dude is literally the definition of the word bucket, right? There's, there's no other way to define him. 19 points per game, uh, 4.4 assists, 44% from the field, 37% from three point range. And as Rashad was just talking about free throw shooting, 87% from the line. Another great indicator in terms of shooting is concerned, 23.9 PER. And what's fascinating, he's listed at six feet, Rashad. I, I don't know <laughs> if he's six feet, man. I, I don't know I've seen if he's five 5'11", too. I've seen 5'11 listen, in other places. Regardless, 5'11", six foot, whatever, 60.3 true shooting percentage for a guy with, at that height. Wicked. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. 88th percentile in terms of total offense, 75th percentile in terms of total defense, 97th percentile on spot-ups. Holy cow. 87th scoring out of pick and roll, 86th in isolation, 91st percent on catch-and-shoot shots, 93rd, all jump shots off the dribble percentage. Those are are some crazy offensive numbers. Yeah, bro. Where my hesitation comes in, though. Yeah, let me hear it. These smaller guards that try and transition to the NBA level, right? These score first, smaller guards. Yep. There's, 
there is a history of some of them working out really, really well. Sure. There's also a history of some of them not working out too well. Sure. So obviously, if you wanted to talk about them, Rashad, you can't be too far in the lineup. You don't think it's going to work out. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on why you're, you're choosing to believe in Kendrick Davis. What do you see about him you think is going to translate? Man, I, th- here, here's, here's what people don't know about Kendrick Davis. So he's a Texas kid. Mm-hmm. He gave De'Aaron Fox problems in high school. Mm. Problems. And De'Aaron Fox is one of my favorite players, first of all. Just borderline all star. Yeah, just ask De'Aaron Fox about Kendrick Davis. He'll tell you. Like this kid is a competitor. He's a winner. He's super efficient. You can't ignore those type of guys. Kendrick Davis to me is the Tyus Jones. Mm. He could be Tyus Jones is the 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 best second unit point guard in the entire NBA, in my opinion. He doesn't get any credit. They, we hear this narrative of Memphis is winning without John ja Morant. Nobody's really digging into it. Why? Mm. Well, Tyus Jones, because they have the best backup point guard in the entire NBA. Your man, Kendrick Perkins, just said that on TV the other day. I heard him on NBA Today. Tyus Jones, best backup in the league. Best backup point guard in the league, man. So when I look at Kendrick Davis, we're looking at how does it translate? What's his responsibility? Yep. He's not going to have to be a 20-point scorer at the next level. He will be a backup guard or a third guard to a team, and he will be able to provide a spark. Yep. He's a terrific passer. He's super tough. He can defend. And I think that's what translates for me. So he's one of those players that's not going to take what he did as far as the scoring responsibility and, and take that to the NBA with him. He's going to leave that in college, but what he is going to take is his instincts, his skill set, and his ability to compete and be productive from an efficiency standpoint. So as an NBA team, you got to be able to find guys like Kendrick Davis. You got to find those guys yep. because there's a farm system in the NBA. So yep. if I'm if I'm the Spurs, if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, because you got to look at it like that. This kid is from Texas. Dallas may lose Brunson. Yep. Because somebody's going to offer him a lot of money. Correct. Trey Burke is probably going to get out of there because he's not playing. So you, as if I'm the Mavericks, I'm looking at Kendrick Davis. If I'm San Antonio, like you got to look at a guy like that, that that you making bring in with the 52nd pick he was player of the year let's not forget that you left that out yeah the the AAC player of the year yep Mm -hmm. this is the conference with Houston in Memphis yep and UCF in Wichita State this kid can play not a bad conference by the way I mean even 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 my alma mater temple right was filled with a bunch of guys like six five to six seven this year who can just give you problems. They can just, if you have a really good offensive player, they can throw so many different guys with size at you. They're that versatile. So yeah, great league. I agree. Great, great league. So to be able to be that efficient in that type of league at that size, we, 
we got to give him, we got to give him the credit that he's earned. He's earned that. So I like the kid. I would draft him anywhere in the second round. Any after 40th, after the 40th, 40 on down. I'm if I'm the Mavericks or San Antonio, even the Pistons, like those type of teams that got a second round pick, I'm taking a player of the year that I know that can maybe turn into something. That's what Kendra Davis is to me. He's an NBA player. Before I think Steven has a question or two for you, and then, and then we'll get you out of here, Rashad. I, I have one more question for you. And this is sure. it's not necessarily directly related to Kendrick Davis, but it's in, in, in the same ballpark. So I have a thing about NBA teams need quality backup point guards. For whatever Absolutely. reason, for whatever reason, NBA teams do not like to take those guys with second draft picks. Like, just I, I know there's an age difference. Like last year, like I was screaming through the rafters for Matt Coleman to be drafted. He is tearing up the G League right now. I'm confident he's going to get an NBA shot. But like guys in that in that same ballpark, these these smaller point guards who are absolutely great at what they do and can be very valuable pieces on cheap contracts for NBA yes. teams that need to fill out the roster. But te- yeah. teams don't go that route. Why, why do you think more of these guys honestly aren't drafted? Because the draft is all about for these teams who can hit the farthest home run. Mm -hmm. And the teams that draft well are the guys who do go the opposite way, like the Toronto Raptors, Mm. Fred Van Vliet, undrafted. Toronto says, come over here. We'll take you. Pick them up. Yep. You, 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 you. There's like three or four teams that will do it the right way. And the other teams, they're trying to swing for the fences. They want to, we want a home run pick. So let's draft the six foot six, 40 inch vertical guy. But there's Kendrick Davis right there. Yeah, but no, 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 no. It's a six foot six (laughs) guy that can jump and put a quarter on the top of the backboard. No, no, but Kendrick Davis is the player of the year. Like he can be our Tyus Jones. Yeah, but this guy can jump from the free throw line. <laughs> you see, like we're it's like you're trying to swing for the fences yep. where other teams saying we just want to get on first base with our pick. So that's why teams like the Raptors, San Antonio, they they Memphis. get on they get on base. Memphis, man, they get on base. Man, Memphis has done such a tremendous they job. They get on base. Yeah. And look get what on it's base. done for them. Deepest team in the NBA. The, no, no question. They have the deepest team in the NBA anymore. So Phoenix, yeah. another one. But Rashad, I, I got a, I got a couple questions for you here. And yep. you're a prophet. You get, you got the the nickname Yoda because you see things when others don't. Like I'm pretty sure you did. You didn't get my notes, but you like answered almost every one of the questions that I was going to ask you. So I mean, you're truly living up to the Yoda nickname. But the one thing you didn't touch on. And I, you know, I think that you've shown a lot of restraint because even though you really like him, like you're evaluating Kendrick Davis, honestly, the one thing that nobody brought up in their breakdown of him yet is that he might have the best handles in the entire class. I mean, this guy has a ball on a string, it looks like. So when we're talking about Kendrick Davis going to a team and running a second unit, potentially, he might turn into, you know, that Tyus Jones or a a Monty Morris out out of Denver, a guy who can run a second unit. Just the the intangible aspect of being a leader and then having those, it seems safe and it seems simple, but finding the open guy and hitting him or just being able to handle the ball very soundly 
and knowing when to attack off of the dribble or when to pull up for a shot. What type of, what, how do you define him in your position dictionary? Because right now, when I look at him, I look at him as like a point guard and how you would break him down. And then what type of players do you think he needs to have around him to bring out the absolute best version of himself in the NBA? Yeah, he, he definitely classifies as a point guard. He is a point guard because he has, my definition of a point guard is the position that has the perfect blend of scoring, passing, and initiation. So he so kind like of, your Chris Pauls and Trey Youngs, right? Yeah, like they have perfect blends of like three traits, right? So that's what makes him a, a point guard. And when you, Nate, when you ran off his stat line, like it was, it was even, <laughs> you know, it was like pretty much 88% free throw shooter, assist guy, higher efficiency. So I, I, I think that, when you have a point guards to me again, I, and I've said this on every show, like point guards are like quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't think Kendrick Davis is a Patrick Mahomes or, you know, or Josh Allen or, you know, Justin Herbert. But I, I, I do think that he is a quarterback that can win you some games when needed. Yep. He's intelligent. Yeah. I Matt mean, Stafford. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt's big time, but, uh, but he is a, he's a quarterback that that is serviceable for your team. Maybe he can't start all 17 games, right? But if your starting quarterback goes out, you know, Kendrick Davis is one of those kids that hey, we 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 only we can plug him in for about 7 or 8 games until we get Trey Young back and we probably we probably could be okay. That's kind of how I look at him. Tyus Jones when Josh sits out, Memphis yeah. like, "Well, okay, we got Tyus Jones." We're not going to get the highlights, but we're going to win. Yeah, that's important. You make safe plays. Yeah. He makes safe plays, man. Keeping the ball out of the opponent's hand is the name of the game, right? And that's what – I think Kendrick Davis can do that too. I think he can do that. Now, he may have some G League stints and stuff like that because we're talking about – we're talking about the NBA, right? Like, it's it's so difficult to – there's only – there's only – you know, 450 jobs, right? And -hmm. out of those 450 jobs, probably 400 of those have guaranteed contracts, right? And then, so it's just such a, you got so many people fighting for limited space. So a lot of guys miss out on their NBA dreams, not because they can't play in the NBA. It's just because the numbers don't favor them as well. Mm -hmm. So he would be one of those players to me, if he didn't get in, it wouldn't be because of his game. Yep. I think, I think part of what we do, Rashad, is so important because it's not always about making sure we have everybody evaluated who's going to be drafted or predicting the 60 or, or in this right. case, this year, 58 picks, right? It, Even it's about, more difficult, right? 58 picks. It, yeah. It, it, it's about when teams need to go find a guy because they don't have a certain guy in their system and they, 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 right don't always right. have the assets around them to get like a star or, or bring in, bring in a star, superstar, whatever's the case. And they're looking in different areas of the game and they're, they're looking around, they're going, well, Kendrick Davis at SMU, like yeah. he's, he's, he's been in the G league for a little bit. Now he's, he's still putting up numbers. He's still producing yeah. like he was in college. Why didn't we look at drafting this guy? And then right. they, they, they find things that, that you and I and Steven are, are, are writing yeah. and talking about from the draft and we're highlighting the talent to make sure that somebody 
has credibility and gets noticed for when yes. the yep. opportunity is right for them. I also think that's that's a very important part about what we do at, and, and, I, and I love doing it. I, I want as many players to get opportunities as possible because all these guys work so, so much harder than people realize. Um, but that's, that's going to do it for the two players that we wanted to highlight tonight, Rashad. We, we thank you so much for the time that you were able to give us tonight. Just one last thing for the audience. Yeah. If you can give anybody advice in terms of scouting and trying their hand at player evaluation, you could just give one piece of advice to everybody. What, what piece of advice would that be? Love, love the game. Love mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I, and I, I think I tweeted this before the college season started. I said, evaluators, let's appreciate the game of basketball. Because once you appreciate just the game itself, the evaluations become easier. Yep. But if you, if you watch basketball to evaluate, you're going to have trouble. But if you watch basketball to embrace the game, evaluating is going to be much easier. So that's what I would tell to everybody. Like, just watch the game. The, the e- as an evaluator, your eyes, it'll speak to you anyway. You, ever watch, you watch a basketball game, you're just watching a game, you're like, wow, that kid's pretty good. You wasn't even trying to evaluate, right? It was yeah. like you just watching. And this come this happens to me a lot with like college football, right? I'm not a I'm not a college football evaluator, right? But I still have evaluator eyes. So mm-hmm. my, my my eyes just work as an evaluator, no matter what sport I'm watching. So I'm like watching, you know, I'm I'm just watching TV and I'm watching the college football game. And it's like this, it's this little running back from TCU with number five on. I'm like, man, this dude from TCU is pretty good. Like, and I'm just a football guy. So I'm not, I'm like, this dude's running over people. This guy, man, he, he, he looked like he had a shot in the NFL. That guy was Ladanian Tomlinson. So happens to be one of the best ever, right? I had no idea. <laughs> I was just watching football. And I was like, man, who, because TCU back then in 2000, they didn't have names on their jerseys at TCU. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, whoever this number five dude is on TCU, this dude, like, he's like an NFL running back. It was LaDainian Thomas, and I didn't even know. Isn't it so amazing how these, these games have grown to the point where you can be anywhere and be anybody, and as long as you work hard enough and you believe in yourself, you, you, people will find you if you have talent and if you have game and if you work hard. It's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely amazing. It's amazing. Final four championship. Really quick prediction. Who you got? Yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be Duke, Duke and Kansas. It's gonna be a yep. pretty good one. Duke and Kansas it. to fight it out. I love it. I'm I'm I think Steven and I pick Duke. We're gonna we're gonna ride with with the Blue Devils, which means if we both pick them, means the opposite's gonna happen. And we're gonna see yeah. North Carolina probably winning it. Villanova's how, gonna beat no, North Carolina. Mind. That's how March, <laughs> that's how March works. Whatever team you pick, the other team's gonna win. Yes, well, sir. Rashad, yes, sir. Rashad, plug everything that you have going. Plug yourself, man. Seriously, thank you again for coming on the show. It means a lot. Yeah, you can you can find me on Twitter, RP3Natural. Um, and uh, you can find me on, on SportsTalk2319.com where you can pre-order my book. The Evolution is being televised. It will be out this summer. The people who pre-order it will get it first before. So you guys, <laughs> will, get, you guys will get it first and be able to tweet it out. And, and, and so... The pre-order people, they're going to read it first. That's the whole point of the pre-orders to allow them to get it first. Sportstalk2319.com, pre-order the book. 
You can find me on Twitter, RP3Natural. Oh, you're coming back on the show once once we've read through the book. We're gonna we're gonna dissect Woo! that book. That that's gonna happen. So tr- yeah, trust gonna, me. It's gonna make you. You're gonna definitely dissect the book. But for everyone listening out there, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Draft Deeper Podcast. Please make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Make sure you're subscribed to no ceilings, no ceilings, NBA.com. We are pumping out draft content Monday through Friday. Hell Steven's even chipping in on Sundays. Now we have six out of the seven days of the week covered at this point, making sure we're giving you the best draft draft content. So thank you all so much for your support. Steven, go ahead, plug yourself really quick. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Steven G hoops. Uh, Nathan just spoke that I'm the weekend warrior now at um, no ceilings, NBA.com. And more than anything, Rashad is like the absolute best. I've I'm so glad and blessed that I've gotten the opportunity to, to get to know him. He's talked, you know, we talk more offline than I think people would yeah. realize, and, and and more and more than I deserve. But you know, Rashad, I, it's been a blessing to get to know you, man. And uh, yes. I'm just happy every time I see your face or see you know you doing something, you know I'm I'm spreading the love, man. So oh, I appreciate I, you giving us some time today. No, I really appreciate that, man. I always got time for people like yourself, man. I, I love the way you guys cover the game. And um, we need more more evaluators that, that are really processing the game the right way. You know, the more people like us, the better the game can grow. So that's, again... I appreciate you. And I like the no ceilings. Is that, is that from the little Wayne mixtape? Is that we got that? <laughs> it's not that, that is, that is Albert Gim who actually came up with our name, believe it or not. He was, we, we were all trying to pitch around names the one day and, like and he, he, he came up with no ceilings and I'm like, you know what? That's going to stick. That's but you will. You will hear our version of the ice cream paint job. Remake. Okay. Uh, okay. So that mixtape's coming soon. All right, sounds good. <laughs> we'll we'll sounds record good. we'll record the demo tape when we're out in Vegas. How's that? How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.